0: Amen. Isn't that all of our song? Lord, take me back to my first life. He he takes us forward, He takes us into the new, but sometimes when He chooses in His mercy to remind us of what He has done, and uh, that gives us a hope, a great hope for what he's doing right now and what he's going to do in the future. Amen. Amen. The chain breaker is in the house. The chain breaker is in the house. You know, Jesus can be gentle. He can be tender. He can be soft when we need that. But when we need a warrior, he knows how to fight. When we need chains broken off of our lives and out of our minds, he has the strength, he has the authority to break chains. Lord, we need you in your power this morning. We need you in your authority this morning to grant hope to us, your people, to cause us to know afresh that what we have been bound by before, you are able to break off of us in fresh measure, in a fresh way, again today if we need it. And you are leading us into the future that you have planned for our destiny. Lord, meet with us in your power, we pray. In the name of Jesus, meet with us in your power today we pray amen. amen amen I want you to find your way to the first book in your Bible Genesis the book of Genesis and turn if you would to chapter 12 Genesis chapter 12 and these words were spoken by the Lord to Abram who became Abraham the father of many nations is what that name would mean Our theme today is this, the power that God has to break the chain of crippling influences in our lives. God's power, God's ability, the techniques that he will use to break crippling influences off of our lives without you raising your hand would you say just in your heart lord i understand the power of crippling influences on my life notice these words of instruction to abram verse one now the lord said to abram go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abraham had not arrived in the land of Canaan yet. Abraham being the father, in many senses of the word, of the Jewish race, of the Jewish people. He wasn't born in Canaan. He was born in another country, in a geographic location far away from what came to be known as Israel. He ended up in Canaan because the Lord told him, To leave his country, to leave his relatives, to leave even his father's house because the Lord had a bigger plan for him. The Lord had more for him. In fact, you and I would never have even heard the name Abram or Abraham if he had stayed right where he was. And the Lord knew that certain chains, certain influences needed to be broken off of Abram's life, even even though they were blood kin, even though they were family, even though it was his home country, there were some influences tied evidently to those places and those people that would cripple him in the Lord's calling on his life. Now that's not always an easy thing to accept, that the Lord may want to break off of us a family prison. Early influences in our lives. The blessings that the Lord was promising to Abram were never going to come to him if he had stayed where he was. The blessings in the Lord's heart for Abram, who would become Abraham, were tied to a change in geography were tied to a change in social influence upon his life. The blessings that the Lord wanted to bring to Abraham would be the product of new thinking in Abraham's mind, thinking that would be different, contrary, perhaps even hostile, to the way that his family, his relatives, the people he grew up around would think. And very specifically and very methodically, the Lord set to work to break Abraham free of the chains of crippling influences. The goal of a family that seeks to honor the Lord and love the Lord would be the kind of influence where the parents realize that these Babies are not my property. They have just been given to me, given to us, under a stewardship. That they first belong to the Lord. He's the first one who held them in his arms. Then he's given them to us. And we are to raise them to love him. We are to raise them to understand that we are the biological parents. I would be the biological father, Shirley would be the biological mother, but the true father of Abby, Katie, Evan is none other than the Father God Himself. That they would come to know Him in a relationship. Personally, not, not by osmosis, just by being around parents who would read the Bible and would say they believed in Jesus, but they would at some point in time, in time come to know Jesus as their own Savior. And as they have come to know him as their Savior, our role as parents is to teach them by our example, not just by saying it's in the Bible, that too, but because it's lived out in our own example, you just follow Jesus. Wherever he leads you, whatever that looks like, however long that engages your life in whatever form, you follow Jesus. The influences of family, folks, don't have to be crippling influences. But sometimes, as many of you would say, sometimes they are crippling, that what you've grown up under, where it's the strong opinions of strong people related to you, the the order that is set in motion. This is where you are at Christmas. This is what you do at Thanksgiving. This is where you go. This is where you behave. This is how it is. This is the order. And then even the offenses within the family lines that maybe aren't talked about, maybe they're just sort of winked at or chuckled about, but it is sin, it is debauchery, it is hell on wheels and a family line, and it's ripping the family apart, but nobody wants to talk about it. And in order for you, you who have come to know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, you're realizing that something is big time difference inside you now than what used to operate when these influencers had such power over you. So as, the, as there seems to be a, a, a breaking of chains in your relationships with these influencers, is that is that all bad? Is that is that good? Is that God? Or is it, have I just messed up? Am I, am, I, am, am I doing wrong by feeling a sense of distance with my own blood kin? Or feeling a distance that I can't really relate to, that it doesn't help me to be around the old friends, the old ones in my life. Then I want to say to you, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. One of the ongoing, if not the greatest ongoing work of God in our lives as his children is to increasingly and in further dimensions than we've ever experienced before, set us free from crippling influences. It doesn't mean that the people all of a sudden die. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden our last name changes and and we're not in that family line anymore. But what it means is, that by the power of the spirit of Jesus Christ inside you, by the power of the spirit of the chain breaker inside you, he can do such a number on their ability to influence you that it can be as if you have been set free. There's a level of joy. There is a level of future. There is a sense that you're not having to check in with what mama thinks or daddy thinks or these old friends think. You don't even care what they think anymore because there has come to be a new sense of I'm free. I am free to follow Jesus. I'm free to run hard after him. It doesn't mean I don't love them. Doesn't mean I don't pray for them. Doesn't mean that I don't care about them, but it means that the power of Jesus working in my heart has set me free from their opinions, from their order, and from their offenses. Do you hear that? That's the hope. That's the hope. That's the hope. Well, you're brought into a new family with new brothers and sisters who know Jesus, who love him, who can look us in the eye and say, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. You you hadn't gone loony on us because you have a Bible that you enjoy reading, because you hum these songs that are praise songs unto him because there's mercy in your heart instead of meanness dominating your life. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. It's that new family. It's that new family. We rejoice and they were grateful for that. to, to an incredible degree, we are grateful. But the question can be, am I messing up because I'm not as close to my family as I used to be? Am I messing up? Am I doing something wrong? Because I just don't really want to be around the ones that had such influence me over before. Because when I'm around them, when I'm around them, it's tough for my spirit. It's hard for me to be able to be in that atmosphere for even an hour and not feel like I gotta go take a bath somewhere. Whereas before, there wasn't any of that. It, It just was that just the way life was. I want to say to you. Jesus was the only holy, perfectly sinless man, human, who ever lived. He walked among this world. He walked among the sin of this world. But it didn't contaminate him. It didn't touch him. It didn't own him until the day on the cross when he took our sins in his body on the tree and he died for our sins. But up through that time, All those years of walking this earth, he walked through and into and was around all manner of influence that would try to stain him, tarnish him, pull him away from God's mission on his life. And there wasn't one time that he ever slipped. There wasn't one time when it ever owned him. Though he had to walk among it, though he showed the compassion, he showed the mercy, but it didn't own him. It's that same Jesus who has the ability to live in power inside you. So that those ones who have, in a sense, with their opinions and their influences, have sought to own you and shape you and cause the image of who you really are to be defined within you by their influence on you. The living Jesus inside you has the ability to break those chains. Now we come back to Genesis 12, and it's just printed for us. It's clear that there had to be some chains of crippling influences broken off of Abram. We, we, don't, we don't get the sense that there was a rank godlessness and there was, there was wide open rebellion against the things of God in Abram's house and in the family that he grew up in. But it wasn't the place, it wasn't the people who were to be his destiny. And so the Lord gave him instruction. Now I want to suggest to you there are four or five aspects of the Lord breaking the chains of crippling influences. And we notice one of them here. The first thing that can happen, or one of the earliest things that will happen as a chain of crippling influences broken off our lives is that there comes to be, there comes to work within us a spiritual, a spiritual illumination. We begin to see something. that It was the Lord who said to Abraham, leave where you are and go to the place that I will direct you because it's there that I'm going to bless you and bless you beyond any man who had ever really been blessed on the face of the earth more than likely up until that time. Hebrews 11 says that, that Abraham went out. He left his family or left his home, left his relatives. He went out not knowing where he was going. Can you imagine that statement? And it wasn't just Abraham. He was married. He had had a a, a large business operation. He had cattle and sheep and camels and, and, and servants. And he went, he left where he had been, the familiar. And he was going to a place that he had never been before. And he went not knowing where he was going. Folks, you talk about, you say, well, that's not freedom. That scares me to death. But if our trust is in the Lord if our confidence is that he has a plan that's bigger than what we've always known, that he's beyond that which is familiar and that which is ordered and predictable the way we have seen it, but that our trust is in him, we've yielded our hearts unto him, then he can take us to a place that we don't know where we're going, but he does, but he does but he does. I would say to those raising children and wanting to be an influencer of grandchildren and and the broader family reach, it's that kind of heart. It's that kind of image of who the Lord is and that adventuresome aspect of walking in the Lord, walking in the spirit of the Lord that needs to be a part of our teaching. If you know Jesus and you're following Jesus, he may take you somewhere through some door that you would, you would never go through on your own. But if you're following him and he leads you through it, it's going to be blessing after blessing and victory after victory. Don't be afraid. You go for it. Instead of the family influencers being stay here, stay here where it's safe, stay here. Oh my goodness, stay here. What are you thinking? It ought to be. Whatever the Lord is telling you to do, child, whatever dream he's putting in your heart, no matter if it's, in, if it's in a populated area or if it's in a wilderness, if he's leading you, you go, you go, you go. He's the God who can make water come out of a rock. He's the God who can part rivers and part seas. You go with him. You go with him. Those are the kinds of influences that as the Lord breaks the chains of crippling influences off our lives, he will link us up with that linkage of the heart and by the Spirit to those who will encourage a bold and adventurous walk with Jesus in our lives, which we so desperately need in order for our destiny down here to be fulfilled. Here's here's what a crippling influence will do. A crippling influence will keep talking to you, about the same keep it the same keep it the same just keep doing the same thing and then it will always talk to you about small 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 this little tiny circle this little spot the Lord sees the universe he sees you as a major player in your generation for the glory of God and some of you are walking through this dealing with this right now but these influencing voices that have always been popular, they're saying, "What are you thinking? What are you thinking? You stay right here. You stay right here. They always talk about keeping it the same, more of the same, and it will always be spoken of in the sense of small. small. When the Lord knows that there are blessings, there is fulfillment for your life that He has in mind for you that are destined to come upon you in another place, a different place perhaps, and that it will be vastly larger, vastly more than the mindset of the ones around you. That's Abraham. And Abraham did what the Lord said. The Lord took him into the land that would ultimately be possessed by Abraham's descendants, hundreds of years later, as as the Egyptians would release the Israelites to come back in and possess the land of Canaan. But for Abraham to be used as a blessing to the rest of the world, somebody needs to hear this. The fulfillment of God's greatest promises to you, the fulfillment of what he has in mind for you, may require may be calling you to trust him to break the chains of crippling influences working with your mind working with your outlook right now that there is there is as as i mentioned there will be a spiritual illumination something will start your heart will feel like it's heard something you've come to know christ as your savior and lord and and the old things Passing away and new things are coming and you just feel that strength within your heart working. You've heard something, you've felt something, you've sensed something. But the others who have influenced you for so long don't have a clue what you're talking about perhaps. But the first step in the chain being broken of their ability to influence you can happen when the Lord begins to deal with your heart. With your heart second thing can happen in this way. He allows for there to be a geographic separation from the crippling influencers, a geographic separation. Abraham was told to leave where he had had come from and go to a brand new place. It was the intentional plan of the Lord for a geographic separation to be inserted in Abraham's life. That may happen as the Lord moves you. That may happen as somebody leaves you. But geographically, something is changing. I hear often one say, I grew up without a father. I grew up without a dad in the home. And the sadness of that and the sense of lack and loss without the presence of a godly father in the home it has had tremendous negative impact upon the culture in our country today. We, we would all recognize that. But another way to look at that is that even though it, was tra- it is tragically wrong when men bail out And do not live up to the responsibilities of being an earthly father to someone. But what if that man had stayed in your life? What if that man and the life that he chose to live, abandonment on top of abandonment on top of abandonment, with never a looking back with guilt or shame, just going on with his life, dropping kids wherever he could find a woman. If that kind of attitude, that kind of influence had remained in your life, what greater pressure, what greater influence, even greater than his absence from your life could have been? So what if it could have been that the Lord, in his mercy, it wouldn't be his will for your father to abandon you? But the Lord, knowing the direction that that man was going to go, the Lord in his mercy spared you having to live under the domination, under the opinions, under the oppression, under the perversion of that man in the house. The Lord has a way of breaking chains, breaking chains for us that we have no power to break on our own. i just mention that. The Lord, the Lord called Abraham away from where he was, to leave his relatives, to leave his relatives because there was something that he wanted to do with Abraham that would be strange to and foreign to what his family had always understood and thought of. So there is the the spiritual illumination. There's a geographic separation. And then there is also what could be called an emotional isolation, from the influencers that have dominated your life and have caused there to be a creation of who you are to yourself because of what they've said about you. An emotional isolation. We looked at the life of Joseph last week, you remember that. And Joseph was the youngest of 11, he had 11 older brothers and one sister. And you remember what happened, what they did to Joseph. And how they sold him into slavery and considered him just as good as dead. And, and all of those kinds of things that went with that. And he ends up a slave in Egypt, but, but the, Lord, the Lord was with Joseph. You remember, we went, read through all of that. Whether he was a slave or whether he was in a prison or wherever he was, his heart was turned toward the Lord. And it started with that spiritual illumination of those dreams that he was given, which made his brothers so mad and that's caused them to do what they did or gave them reason to do what they did. But in his heart, he knew that there was something that was going on between him and the Lord. He couldn't have understood it, understood it fully, but he recognized that there was something going on there. His brothers didn't have a clue. They hated him for that kind of thing. It, it sounded to him, it sounded to them like it was arrogance and it was it was this, this blind kind of pride and jealousy rose up in their hearts because of the fathers picking Joseph as the favored son but also because of evidently because of what Joseph seemed to believe that the future would hold for him. And so a physical separation, a physical separation happened. They did it to him. They sold him into slavery. But folks, if he had remained under that influence, we would never have heard his name. If he had stayed as the youngest brother, if he had stayed as the, as the runt of the litter, we would have never known anything about him. God's destiny for him was beyond the chains and the shackles of the crippling influences of his life that may have happened may be happening with you and what I'm hoping that this will be for you is a sense of encouragement that that when when you've you've set your sail to live for the Lord to honor the Lord as best you can but you have found that these things have happened. What he's speaking to you, dealing with you, it has put you at a different place than the ones that were influencing you earlier in your life. But it's also resulted in some geographic separation, which has also resulted in some emotional isolation. You're not as close to them as you were before. I'm just wanting to say to you, instead of feeling guilty, Instead of feeling like to you got to beat yourself up and force yourself back into those situations just understand it has been the plan of God with Abraham the plan of God with Joseph the plan of God with David the plan of God with the apostle Paul again and again and again you see it geographic isolation from crippling influences emotional isolation from those crippling influences so that there could come to be at work in your heart mental, a mental transformation where you begin to think and freely think along different lines, in different ways, far beyond anything that the crippling influences would have even allowed you to consider. And then the last part of it is that there is a there comes to be a deepening personal determination to keep going the way that God has set you to go. And you may in the process find yourself farther and farther and farther away from the geographic familiarity and the emotional containment. But you're aware aware that as the Lord brings you into these further places, these new places, And they will be new with new faces, new people, new opportunities. You find your mind going through an amazing mental transformation that whereas you couldn't, you wouldn't even have imagined that you would think about the things that you think about now, the opportunities that you have now back then, but now it is a part of your daily life. Now, folks, I'm not talking about just sitting around staring at your Bible and meditating on Scripture and singing praise songs and, and being in church. But nothing wrong with, with time in the Scripture and, and, and worshiping the Lord. But we're talking here about God breaking chains of, of geographic location for the purpose of Abraham being blessed physically, materially, financially in a new geographic location. This isn't just about some pie in the sky way out there somewhere. This is about blessings that the Lord has for you that that are beyond anything that you may have grown up around. And the result of the process is that you find yourself farther and farther and farther away from the crippling influences, even mentally. Even mentally. Emotionally, yes. Geographically, yes. Yes. And then in that place of personal determination, Abraham, the longer he lived, the more determined he was to live in the way that the Lord had called him to live. Even though it would, it would say in, in Hebrews 11, he went out looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. That was the dream in his heart, the longing in his heart. I want to be where God wants me to be, and at that place of God's destination for me, I will find his presence. I'll find his blessing, his prosperity to my heart, and even upon the works of his hands. Now, that's Abraham. We mentioned, we mentioned Joseph and, and what he went through. But then how God brought him, and that, that, that amazing account of how the brothers had thought he was dead and gone, he's in, he's in Egypt, he's elevated to the right hand of the Pharaoh, and he's the one dispensing the grains and the means to survive for the, for the people and the nations around Egypt. Because the Lord had told him what was coming, seven years of of prosperity, seven years of of, of famine, and store up the the grains for the famine, and you'll be able to sell during the famine to those who have need. And he didn't know necessarily at that time, but it was a part of God's plan that some of the ones that he would help to survive would be his own brothers, all those 11 brothers who had done what they did to him. They come into his presence and he has the the authority, seated in a place of authority, second only to Pharaoh. They thought he was gone and dead and gone and over with. But God's plan for him was I'm going to break the chains, I'm going to break the chains of crippling influence over your life, your brother's attitudes towards you the smallness of what they, how they thought of you and the jealousy that they had for you, I'm going to break that by geographically removing you from their influence, by emotionally separating you from their ability to speak into your life. They physically were not able to even know where Joseph was, let alone speak into his life. And in that place of geographic freedom, Though he was a slave in the beginning, but God had in mind putting him at the right hand of the Pharaoh in that place of a geographic change, in that place of a social change, in that place of a mental change. God brought Joseph into the fulfillment of his destiny. And he never would have known it if he had stayed the little brother of 11 big brothers. Will you please let that in? Somebody needs to hear this because you can wonder, you know, is it even right that there's a distance Just say between you and your parents, are you and your brothers and sisters, are you and relatives, you and you and kin? Sometimes, sometimes, and it's characteristic of what God would do with major characters in the Scripture. There would come to be a geographic separation, an emotional isolation from those influences, for the purpose of God bringing about a whole new way and further way of thinking with a deeper and deeper resolve in the heart of the captive that's been set free to pursue this course come hell or why high water, no matter where I am, I'm going with my Lord as he leads me. Now, as I say that, that there is, um, that there is a corollary verse that I just need to Drop this in. There's not a wedding that I have performed, been a part of, that I can remember. That the verse in Genesis 2, where the Lord says, for this reason a man shall separate himself from his father and mother, shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Whether it is comfortable for the mother and father of this soon-to-be groom marrying this bride, whether it is comfortable for the mother and father to accept the truth of God's Word at this point, it remains the truth of God's Word. When there comes to be a relationship formed between a a man and a woman, at that point in time, the priority of the relationship with his earthly mother and father changes. For this cause shall a man leave. Literally means leave behind, leave behind. For this cause shall a man Leave, leave behind his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh. The wife at that moment takes precedence and priority over his mother, his father, and any other living human. Now, if you're not ready for that to be a part of your marriage relationship, don't get married. Just don't get married because he's not changing the rules for you. Oh, we're different. No, you're not. And tragically, I say this with great sadness in my heart. I have watched over the years husbands who refused to live in in alliance with this passage. And the wife begins to feel as if she's getting the leftovers. Mother and father, mother or father, are getting the prime cut. She gets the leftovers. 20, 30 years of that in marriage, and it causes there to be a festering wound in the heart of that husband. It can be with the wife refusing to let go of mama or daddy, too. And the husband feels that he's second only to her mother, to her father. She's second only to his father, his mother. God never intended that. He never, don't get married. And if you have married, or repent right now and ask your spouse to forgive you. You say, well, I don't want to hurt my mother's feelings. She needs to grow up. You, you need to train your mother. Train your father. Train your dragon. Train them. Uh, Shirley and I, You know, we got these three little grandsons and and it's sad to us to miss a week out of their lives. But each of those three children would say, grown now with their own families, with their own spouses. They would say, because we was spoken of their wedding, but we tried to live it this way. That your priority is each other, not us. We love you. We're gonna miss you. We're gonna pray for you. But if Christmas Eve comes up and you need to be with each other, then you can just let us know you're not going to be there in time for dinner. And you be where you need to be. Your birthdays, Christmases, all of those things. This is the practical part of it. You leave behind your father and mother to take a wife. If a wife is going to take a husband, she needs to get that in bold colors within her own heart. That's why marriage is such a crazy, serious thing, isn't it? It means that I'm saying, Lord, you're wanting me to trust you, to cause that one to be faithful, that one to be caring, that one to honor you. Because you're saying to me, I'm leaving mother and father, and I'm cleaving unto this one, and the two shall become one flesh. so, So Abraham, somewhere in this, evidently already had some of that worked out. That if his daddy said stay and God had said go, he already understood which tack he was going to take. We have no record that, that his father was telling him to stay and, and all of any, any of those kinds of things. But it's, it's a, there's a chain break that needs to happen between. Parents raising children and the children growing up and getting out on their own. And if they're in the chain breaking and the proper setting set up, it's fine in the beginning. We we need to take care of and feed and clothe and they're under our authority. But there comes a time when there is to be a new order, a new place implemented, a new thing, and the the Lord blesses that. He blesses that. He blesses that. I know we got holidays coming, and Shirley and I are going to probably have a little conversation about this. Okay, so who's got them this Christmas, and where are they going with Thanksgiving and all that? But bottom line, bottom line, they need to come to our house if they want to come to our house, not because we're saying, you better be there. We have no authority to say, you better be at our house, according to the Lord. We've blessed these new unions we're grateful for them. We thank God for the, the one others have been brought into their lives and that's how it's supposed to be. So that was free, you know. That, that, that was free. But just, just so you can have roast preacher for lunch, I want to give you a little serving right there to talk to, talk to. You say, well, we're different. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. Okay. So Joseph Thrown out, ends up in Egypt, and the Lord blesses him there. The family voices of influence were separated. It doesn't mean that his heart didn't ache. He was still human. David would still be human. I'm not even going to be able to get to David this time. We'll, We'll work on him next week. But David was the, was the youngest of eight brothers. And, and, you know, when Samuel went to anoint the next king of Israel, David wasn't even invited to the group. You remember that. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't you look at how tall he is. Don't you look at Eliab. Don't look at Shima. Shama, as if those are my choice. Because I don't look at the appearance of a man. I look at his heart. And I'm choosing this one who's a nobody to the brothers. He's somebody in my eye. Because his heart is after me. I choose him. I choose him. I choose him. But David, like Joseph, like Abraham, had a choice to make as to whether or not he would go with the prompting of the Lord within him. We'll talk about that. I don't even want to go any further with that. But but just just understand that's how it works. That's how God often does it. He breaks the chains of crippling influences by causing there to be some sort of fresh, spiritual illumination in our hearts as to who we are to the Lord and what He wants to do with us. And then we can't be surprised if there's a geographic separation to make it easier for us to follow Him and not have to battle with the emotions and the thoughts and the words that are coming at us from this lateral group. And then the emotional isolation, how many years David spent in the cave of Adullam, just him by himself, hunted like a dog, hated, being chased down, they couldn't never catch him or kill him. The Lord kept sparing him, but the Lord allowed those years for David to be on the run as he was because the Lord was establishing an emotional separation with the ones that were crippling him with their influence so that there could be an emotional connection deeper, further, longer between him and the Lord himself. That may be you. That may be you. And I, I feel like we're I told Abby coming in this morning, I feel like we need to do something as we close this service. And so we're going to hold, hold on to that. He breaks the chains of crippling influences. Now folks, please, don't, don't insult the Lord by, by giving off the attitude, well, this is, that's just who they are, and they're so influential on in my life, and, and they're so powerful in my life that I'm, that I'm crippled. You're crippled until you begin to cry out, Lord, break the shackles of those opinions. And he has the ability emotionally to renew our minds and to give to us, cause his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, the fruit of the spirit to take over in our hearts. So instead of just assuming status quo, assume there's a future and a hope. Don't just give up and roll over. Be like an armadillo on the side of the road. No, no. He's letting you see things like that so that you can call out, Lord, if I'm going to be changed, you're going to have to change me. And I ask you to break that chain in my heart. But there's another chain, another type of chain that Jesus has the authority and the power to break are the chains of physical, medical sicknesses and weaknesses, cancers, heart disease. Tumors throughout the body, issues that are related to dysfunctioning of the working physically, medically, within our bodies. And I, I, just, I just can't get, I pre, we have owned this for so long, that Acts 4, where they came back, you remember Peter and John, and met with the, the men to pray with them again, and they cried out, Lord. And the one request they made, or just there, there were two requests. Lord, would you fill us with boldness that we may proclaim your word? And then they said, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's in the Bible. That was written in the Bible. The Holy Spirit gave that to Luke to write down so that all these centuries later, we would still know, we'd be able to look and appreciate this is what God did then. If God did it then, he hadn't changed, he hadn't gotten old, he hadn't run out. He's still able. He's still able. He's still able. I feel like there have been a point or two where I, where I may have overstated, and I hadn't meant to do it, but I feel like I could have done it, and I've just asked the Lord to forgive me. Where I have overstated the necessity of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, to to give us the direction and give us the understanding, but maybe not have emphasized the written Scripture as much as I needed to. But the truth of the matter is, the written Scripture is a function of the work of the Holy Spirit just as much as Him putting an impression upon our heart today. It's a miracle that this was even printed in the first place. It's a miracle that it has been preserved. It's a miracle that it has been published for us to have multiple Bibles in America in our lap or on our shelves. That's a miracle. So it's the outpouring of the power of the Spirit to help us to understand what he's meaning here and to catch the relevance that if he did it, then he can do it now. That's why we've got it to look at. That's why we can know how to pray for each other, how we can believe what the Lord's heart is for folks. So that being said, we're going to end this time praying for the sick, praying for medical needs. If you're watching, and many of you, many, whenever you see this, whether it's a, on a Sunday morning or an evening or whatever it would be, the, the, the strength of what we're sensing is going to be operating, I believe, whenever you watch this, that the Lord's heart is to heal. His, the Lord's heart is to strengthen. The heart. The Lord's heart is to restore. So here's what I want to ask you to do as we, as we pray. Lord, break the chains of medical infirmity. Break the chains of sickness, Lord. Break the chains of physical weakness according to your heart, your time, and your way. But we're giving this to you. I want to ask you to just, as we in a moment bow our heads, close our eyes in the presence of the Lord, if there is a medical issue going on with you, I'm just ask you if you would to just put your hand on that part of your body, that place where the sickness would be. You now folks, here's something else we've got to get. In reading the miracles of Jesus, do you, do you realize how many of those that he tended to were not life-threatening issues? You're not going to die necessarily because you're blind. You're not going to die necessarily because your legs won't work. You're not going to die necessarily from various infirmities with the joints and so forth. But it was because that was the way that Jesus was able to show to folks, and there were countless in their number practically, that he loves you. And your quality of life is important to him. You may not be dying of cancer, but there's some reason you can't walk or you can't work because your shoulder, you can't raise your shoulder or arthritis is taking out your hips, whatever it would be. Those are not necessarily life-threatening issues, but they are quality of life issues. And where the Lord makes his presence known in that place of quality of life issue, it's the way he's saying it all capital letters. You're not just a number to me. I know you. I love you. I know where you're hurt, and I want to fix it. I want to heal it. Some say, well, he won't do it. Well, I can guarantee you this. If you don't ask, you probably won't ever have that. So I'm, I, I don't know if I don't know if he'll do it. Well, if that's shutting you down from asking, then that just, that's putting us in a place we don't want to be. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Let's ask. Let's ask. And let's keep asking. All right? So would you as we bow our heads, close our eyes, would you find that place? Maybe it's just your mind. Maybe it's heaviness, confusion, sadness, worry, oppression, depression with your mind. Just, just put your hand on your chin, just somehow. And if, there is a, if there's a person with you that's watching this with you, where you are, a streaming family, or here in the service, in the room, and you know of a physical need of that one that you're physically present with, And you feel the freedom to just walk over to where they are and put your hand on their shoulder, lay your hands on their head and pray with me as we pray for them. Would you do that? Just right now, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We speak your name, Lord, because you have said that you have all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth, that there is nothing that has a name that will not bow before you and declare that you are Lord. We welcome you, Lord, into this, into this gathering. We, we recognize your presence. We bless you for your presence in this room here in San Antonio, but in the rooms in the vehicles, out in the backyards, wherever our streaming family would be gathered. And Lord, you know that place in our bodies where the weakness and the sickness is. Lord, with our hand on that place, believing that you know exactly what we need, we just remind you, Lord, that the Scripture has said that it is by your stripes that we are healed. It is by your blood being shed that we are healed. Because of that, our sins are forgiven, and we bless you for the spiritual forgiveness, the lifting of the guilt of sin and shame off of our lives. But Lord, we believe that Matthew inserted that into the account of the many physical healings because he wanted us to understand by your spirit that it was because of the stripes of Jesus that these who would be healed were being healed. It was speaking of the future, the future of your death on the cross, but it was application for us to understand that it is by your stripes that we are healed. Lord, we, we don't know how you're going to do it. We don't know when you're going to do it. We don't know what you're going to use to do it, but we're asking you for our physical healing today. We're asking you for the removal of the pain of arthritis we're asking you for the drying up the drying up of cancer cells in bodies we're asking you for the depletion and even the removal of tumors in bodies and where there are joints that aren't working lord we ask you to loosen those joints instead of just being stuck in a pew or stuck in a chair that there'd be the ability to dance and sing and shout praises unto you as the man on the temple in the temple court in acts chapter 3 began to do Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you, would you pray, would you just simply say this back to the Lord? Heal me, Heal me, Jesus. Heal me, Jesus. Heal me, Jesus. We trust, Lord, you've said that if we ask anything in your name that you would hear, that the answer would come. We bless you for what you intend to do and how you intend to do it. And Lord, we're thanking you that everybody who's in heaven has gotten all their prayers for healing completely, totally, eternally answered. There's no sickness there. But Lord, you would say your kingdom was come on earth. Your kingdom has come on earth, not just in heaven, but on earth. And that was the demonstration of your power physically, medically to heal. We ask you for it, Jesus according to your instruction, your prompting. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 See, some people, folks, people are going to say, well, Pastor, what if nobody gets healed? Who says? Who, 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 Who says nobody is going to be healed as we pray? Because the Lord has said, you ask me. And you come to me with humility, believing in my name. David Turner, the gentleman who's been here to pray with us many times before, or at least several times before, he said that he believes that a miracle is something that instantaneously happens, measurably right before our eyes, but a healing is something that may take another doctor's visit, that may take a course of treatment, but the end result is the Lord healing. Some instantaneously, some right now. But there are so many stories of folks being medically healed. Even this moment right now, some listening to me, you should have been dead, but you're still alive, and it's because the Lord's healing you. That's happening. That don't say it doesn't happen. It is happening. It is happening. Lord, extend your hand to heal. All signs and wonders take place. To the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amen. Now, you don't have to come to church for, to pray. You, you to, for that to be prayed over, you, you pray that over your babies. You pray that over your wife. You pray that over your husband. You pray that over friends. You, you, you disperse the mercy of God through your agreeing prayer with his heart. Wherever you go, don't be saying, I need to pastor. I need to pastor. Pastor may not be able to find you, but the Lord can find you. The Lord knows where you are. And you pray and watch what he will do. Amen. Amen. All right, I feel like we've done what we needed to do today. Let's stand together and bless you for coming and being in this house, in this room. Bless you for being a part of our streaming family. Thank you for your ongoing loving and prayerful support as you pray for us, but also your financial support. Something new, something we're headed, things, the, the building plans continue to, to be developed and it it's, continues to look very good. Look like that's where we're going. Thank you for standing with us in that. If we can pray for you and with you, come this way. Our prayer partners will be here at the front. We love you. Thankful that God continues to bless and meet with us. He loves you. And if he's breaking chains, if ones that have been strong influences over your life, there seems to be a distance there, but you're following him, you let him take care of what you're leaving behind. You just hold on to Him. He in His way, makes in His timing, makes all things beautiful. He does. He does. Amen. God bless you. Come this way if we can pray with you. And we'll see you next time. God bless you. Sing Waymaker with us.